You're listening to the Employment Rights Online podcast, where we discuss everything employment rights and the job. Hi there. We hope you are having a positive employment rights week. So this week, we're into part two of our three-part mini-series, looking at suspensions and in particular this week, what to look for as evidence that your suspension might be unfair. In this episode, we'll look at seven key actions your employer should take to evidence fairness of your suspension and in highlighting these actions, what you need to be aware of if you want to check that your suspension has been handled fairly. The importance of these seven key points is that they all lay the groundwork for challenging your employer on the duty of care point. And remember, we spoke about this in last week's episode. That duty of care point is what you want to focus on to have an understanding of whether your employer handles your suspension unfairly. And as you know, challenging your employer on a duty of care point can come by way of a breach of contract complaint or an unfair dismissal complaint if you find yourself dismissed because of your employer's procedural failures when dealing with your suspension or any other part of the disciplinary process that links to your alleged misconduct and the suspension together. And finally, that challenge can come if you believe that your employer has suspended you and or taken disciplinary action against you because you belong to a protected characteristic group. And if that happens, you can challenge your employer on the grounds of discrimination. So let's look at the seven key actions your employer should be focused on when making sure your suspension is being handled fairly. The first key action to be aware of is that when your employer suspends you, You must be suspended for a good reason and your suspension must be used by the employer as a neutral response to the disciplinary concerns. The opposite of being suspended for a good reason is that your employer suspends you as a knee-jerk reaction or from a position that privileges your guilt before any investigation has even taken place. Case law here is very clear that your employer must have reasonable and proper cause to suspend you. It doesn't have to be necessary to suspend you, only reasonable, which in effect does give you less protection. But if you feel your guilt has been prejudiced by your employer or your employer has acted hastily in suspending you, The question you have to ask yourself is, was your suspension reasonable and did your employer have cause to suspend you? The second key action that could amount to a breach of duty of care towards you 
after you've been suspended is if your suspension goes on for too long and is not reviewed. One of the legal cases that highlights this point is a case called Camden and Islington Mental Health and Social Care Trust versus Miss Atkinson, a 2007 case. And that case went all the way to the Employment Appeals Tribunal. In this case, Ms Atkinson, a long-serving charge nurse, was accused of institutional abuse of patients and was suspended without access to her right to have union representation at the suspension meeting. And also, the employer allowed her suspension to go on way beyond what was reasonable choosing not to use opportune times to return Miss Atkinson to work. And what happened is that the suspension went on for so long that Miss Atkinson felt she had no choice but to retire as a result of the way she was treated and she went to tribunal and claimed constructive unfair dismissal. The tribunal found in her favour and found that there had been a breach of her contract and that she had been unfairly dismissed because the suspension went on for so long and was not reviewed. The third key action is really an extension of the second action, in that you can claim a breach of your employer's duty of care towards you if your employer keeps you suspended for such a long time that you lose the key skills you have, which then go on to affect things like professional certification or professional re-registration. And you'll know from this, there are certain professions where you have to have a certain numbers of hours of practice and to be able to evidence your practice before you can apply for re-registration and get the re-registration so you can continue to practice. Now, again, if this happens and you're prevented from applying or you don't get your certification or your re-registration because of the length of time that you are suspended, this could be seen as a breach of the mutual trust and confidence that is written into your contract of employment. The fourth key action is again an extension of the second action in that you are entitled to be accompanied at all meetings once you have been suspended. Once you've been suspended, all meetings with your manager must be treated as formal meetings. And what this means is that you have a legal right to be accompanied at all meetings. And any attempt by your employer to prevent you from having a trade union representative with you at formal meetings is a breach of your contract of employment. The fifth key action is that of suspending you without pay, where your contract of employment does not expressly state this. And remember, expressly means it has to be in writing. So if your contract does not expressly allow your employer to suspend you without pay, then if your employer does this, then you could have grounds to claim breach of contract. And even if your contract does allow you to be suspended without pay, 
an employment tribunal will expect your period of suspension to be as brief as possible without any unreasonable delay. Because in the tribunal's eyes, delay could undermine the trust and confidence in your relationship with your employer. The sixth key action is that your employer must communicate information about your suspension in a clear and neutral way. Remember, suspension is not a punishment and it is supposed to be a temporary measure. So for your suspension to feel like a neutral act, you should expect your employer to give no indication about reaching any conclusion on the allegations against you until a full and fair investigation has been completed. But this isn't enough. Added to this, any and all actions taken by your employer during your suspension should support the position of neutrality. If it doesn't, and actions look as if they're pointed towards getting people to believe you are guilty, then you take a note of those actions because that then becomes grounds for appeal or grounds for a breach of contract claim in a tribunal. And finally, the seventh key point is that your employer needs to tell you what is expected of you during your suspension. Your employer needs to clearly communicate with you any terms surrounding where or how you will do your job while suspended. Or if it's the case that you're not able to come into work, it should be communicated to you that although you are suspended, you are and must remain available for work at all times during your contracted hours, meaning that the company can call you in for meetings during work time because you are still available for work. The only times you become unavailable for work are if you are off sick, which you must communicate to the employer in the usual way, or unless you are on annual leave, which you are still able to take even if you are suspended. Your suspension information should also tell you who to contact if you need to speak to someone in the company and you should also know when your suspension is going to be reviewed. It must also be communicated to you that you must not report for work at your place of work outside of the arrangements given to you by your manager and also that you must not contact your colleagues or any clients of the company. All of this is standard information which should be given to you to avoid you wading unknowingly into any further acts of misconduct. Also linked to this key point is the importance of your employer only communicating your suspension to others in an appropriate way. It's the responsibility of your employer to inform your colleagues about your suspension only on a need-to-know basis and for no other reason, meaning that if you are suspended, your suspension should not be the focus of gossip or misinformation. Again, if this happens, you could argue that your employer has breached the mutual trust and confidence relationship between you and the employer.
And that's it for this week. Our takeaway for this week is that to maintain that duty of mutual trust and confidence, under no circumstances should you be suspended as punishment during the course of an investigation. And your suspension should not be allowed to prejudice the investigation into your alleged misconduct or influence the person who will be dealing with your disciplinary or influence the way in which that person will deal with your disciplinary. At all times, your suspension should imply no fault or guilt about you. And being aware of the seven key actions we've looked at in this week's episode will go some way towards you being able to make sure you are treated fairly when facing a suspension. As usual, you can find all our support links at the bottom of the show notes where you're listening to this week's episode. And if you need help with organising your thoughts or your evidence into a complaint, you can download our free Employment Rights Online checklist of 15 smart actions that you can use to help you challenge bullying and unfair treatment at work. You'll also find the link to that free download in the show notes for this episode. Until next week, thanks for listening and have a great Employment Rights Week. Bye for now.